0: Listener supported.
1: WNYC Studios. Kath. Tobes. First of all, welcome back.
2: Thank you. Uh, it's really nice to be back.
1: Yeah, how are you How are you feeling?
2: I feel much better. I feel pretty much 100%, and I'm very, very happy that um, I'm back on the show. I heard you do my voice, and it was fabulous. It was like 100%. Thank you. I got a lot of compliments on it. Yeah, everybody's like, oh my god, I didn't even know you were gone.
1: I know, it's it's uncanny. It's uncanny, really. But I have to say, I'm glad to have you back, because what a moment for you to return. Because you know what episode this is, right?
2: Oh yeah, this is our 100th episode. Can you believe it?
1: One freaking hundred. I cannot believe it. We've done a hundred motherfudging episodes (laughs) of this thing.
2: I am very proud and very tired.
1: Yes, same, same. (laughs) And, you know, we figured what better way to celebrate this milestone than by bringing on somebody who has been with us since the beginning.
2: The very beginning. Oh, sorry. My dog is barking. (laughs) Bowie, can you go outside? Come on, get out of here. Go, go, go. Sorry, I'm back. So, since the beginning, we've had... Sound designer extraordinaire jeremy bloom hello (laughs) so jeremy you've been hyping up that you have quite the story to tell us
3: i do it's got everything love war history bird poop royal scandals and it all starts with a postage stamp
2: all right continue
3: so kathy i know how much you love mail and you love postage and i was just like super inspired by your passion.
2: I am very inspiring.
3: So I was up late one night going down one of those many, like, late-night rabbit holes of Wikipedia curiosity, and I came across the stamp blog. There are awesome stamps from, like, New Guinea and Zanzibar, stamps from the Samoan Olympic team, lots of birds and fish and official-looking people, a stamp from Bhutan that's round, and you can even play music from a record player on it somehow. Wow. Wow. But I really want to show you the craziest stamps I've ever seen. They're on this old envelope. I print it out for you. Okay. (laughs) Oh my God.
2: Wow. Wow.
3: I know. So I know nothing about stamps, but, and I think you'd agree, these are clearly, really, really gay. We
0: have a wonderful stock of worldwide stamps from Malta, Gibraltar, Great Britain.
3: I was so blown away by these old stamps that I just needed to know more, so I took them to an expert. Hi,
0: my name is Bruce. We're sitting here
3: at Champion Stamp Company. Bruce Hetch is the guy you go to with any question about stamps in New York City. He has a gray beard, glasses, and he sits at an old wooden desk on this elevated platform where he can look over the entire store. Come
0: right up the ramp. He's
3: been doing this since 1976. I guess you could say he's the king of stamps. And he kind of acts like it too.
0: Give me a little background
3: that you need. I show him the envelope I found. On it, there are many markings and a stamp the likes of which I've just never seen before.
0: This is non-philatelic with all sorts of unusual markings It's a local label. That's how I would describe it. It's got uh,
3: bars of colors. Bars uh, of color, like a rainbow. It looks like it has
0: a footprint on it. A bear paw. And if I read it correctly, it says Heaven GLK Post Office.
3: There's also a crown, a very royal-looking crown, in front of a pink triangle. Super official-looking. And uh, that's all I can tell you. Gotcha. And can you just read what it says? Says, gay kingdom of the Coral Sea. If I told you in two thousand and four there was a country called the Gay and Lesbian Kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands, what? What's your reaction to that? You're wrong. Okay, it
0: doesn't exist. There is no such country or territory with that
3: name. Hmm. Well, let's see about that.
2: From WMYC Studios, you're listening to Nancy. With your hosts, Kathy Tu and Tobin Lowe. Okay, Jeremy, so you found these stamps. They're clearly very gay. Um, what what's the deal? Like, where do they come from? I've never heard of this. Uh Gay kingdom?
1: What is it? Where is it? And how can I move there?
2: Yeah, are you messing with this, Jeremy? Is this even a real thing?
3: It's actually real, and I've been working all day and night to find out more. I've called experts from the United Nations, the Council on Foreign Relations. I've made burner phones. My apartment's walls are, like, covered in post-it notes detailing the epic story behind this kingdom. Did
2: you use yarn? Did you connect them with yarn? (laughs) I was just going to ask the same thing.
3: Yes, it's, it's required. And after lots of lost sleep, I think I finally have some answers.
4: Homosexual people have honestly endeavored everywhere to merge ourselves in the social life of surrounding communities and to be treated equally.
3: This is an excerpt from the Declaration of Independence of the gay and lesbian kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands, a nation created for life Liberty, the pursuit of happiness and all things gay.: Well,
4: technically, it's a micronation:
5: So a micronation is a place that declares that they are a nation but aren't recognized by other countries. Um, so it's basically someone walks out into their front yard and they're like, "My front yard is a nation." Um, in their mind, they are their own country. but they don't really have any recognition or any kind of uh, legitimacy
3: in terms of the global stage.: This is Derek Thomas. I tracked him down after he made a fun video online about the gay and lesbian kingdom. I created a YouTube
5: channel that has an ongoing series on micronations and kind of the funny stuff that they get up to. So there's Sealand, Oxivland, Allure, Molassia, Liberland, Fredonia,
3: and the gay and lesbian kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands. Derek told me that this gay kingdom was born in 2004 when Australia passed a law saying that marriage was strictly between a man and a woman.
1: With gay marriage all the rage in America, the changes here are designed to thwart any similar attempts at legal recognition. Activists say their community
3: is facing a new wave of homophobia. Here's John Howard, the Prime Minister at the time. The definition of a marriage is something that should not, uh, over time, uh, potentially be subject to redefinition or change. So... In an attempt to protect against future gay marriages, the law said marriage is, by definition, between a man and a woman. And, at every single wedding ceremony in Australia, I kid you not, that definition had to be recited. Like, at your wedding, you would need to say the words, Marriage, according to law in Australia, is the union of a man and a woman.
2: That is the stupidest thing I have ever heard.
1: And so romantic, really.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but Derek said it, it actually kind of backfired and drew a lot more attention from activists about gay marriage than ever before in Australia, including one group. In
5: 2004, a group of gay rights activists who were attending the Brisbane Gay Pride Festival uh, were frustrated with the 2004 Marriage Amendment Act in Australia. So they got on a boat. Well, a seaplane. Um, that they christened the Gay Flower sailed it out to an island in the Coral Sea Islands territory called Cato Island, planted a flag, and said, this is our country now. Um, Gay marriage is legal. And that's kind of how the gay and lesbian kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands
3: began. The gay kingdom. This is, believe it or not, original footage from their landing.
0: On the 14th day of June 2004, at this the highest point in the Coral Sea, Emperor Dale Barker Anderson. Raise the gay rainbow flag and claim the island of the Coral Sea in his name as the homeland for the gay and lesbian people of the world. God save our kingdom.
1: Holy shit, a gay country. So can I, like, move there and just watch Golden Girls all day? We're going to cancel the show, folks. Uh, Sign me up.
2: I don't know, Tobin. It kind of just sounds like a silly publicity stunt.
1: Kathy, it would be amazing. Like, what if there were leatherworking workshops, Xena cosplaying Janelle Monae as Minister of Culture?
2: (laughs) Okay, that would be amazing. But... There are plenty of gay people out there that I definitely don't want to live with on a small island in the middle of the sea. And plus, what about all the cool bi folks and trans folks and non-binary people and everyone else?
1: Yeah, are we talking like Fire Island Pines Circuit Party Central here, or is there something more for indoor gays like myself?
2: Yeah, Jeremy, I need to know what the amenities are. What are the amenities, please?
3: Well, let's let Derek describe the island So this island, Cato
5: Island, picture a tropical paradise, an island with beautiful palm trees. You kind of lay out on the beach with a nice pina colada or something like that. And, you know, a a nice volcano in the background. And then picture the opposite of that. And that's what Cato Island is.
3: It's kind of like just a barren, sandy, treeless mound that uh, rises just a few feet above the water not. Not much going on since the 1870s when it was mined for bird shit used for fertilizer. (laughs) Gorgeous.
2: I knew it. The whole thing was just a silly stunt. Tobin, you're not moving. The show goes on. It's not a real country. Wait,
3: hold on, though. They had land. They had a community united by a kind of common cultural connection. Those are the two things that make a nation state. And they didn't just plant a flag. They also really did all the things that they thought were necessary to establish a legitimate country. They made those postage stamps. They decided on a capital called Heaven after a famous nightclub in London. They actually had a government, an elected parliament organized online, consisting of representatives from all around the world.
2: Okay, but did they have an anthem? It's not a country without a national anthem.
3: Yeah. Gloria Gaynor's I Am What I Am. then they declared war on australia wait wait hold yeah. on hold on Derek. <laughs> like how do you even go about doing that D- it, um, declaring war with australia
5: well they basically just drew up a declaration of war and in, into a formal document and delivered it to the prime minister of australia and they even sent the Uh, declaration of war to the government of Switzerland. It had Switzerland deliver it to Australia, uh, getting a third party involved, and they considered themselves at war with Australia.
2: Wait, so the gay kingdom said that they were at war against Australia, but, like, did Australia consider themselves to be in this, uh, quote-unquote, war?
3: Well, they never directly responded to the declaration of war, but it was noticed and discussed in Australian Parliament. A government office had coincidentally flown a rainbow flag during Pride. When they did, a right wing Tasmanian senator named Erica Betts got very upset. This particular
6: flag, you will realize, is Uh, the flag of the gay and lesbian kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands that declared war on
4: Australia. I dare say that wasn't the reason it was flown. Look, Senator um, Betts, as the Secretary has uh, uh, indicated, there will be a flag inquiry. And we certainly don't want to be a flag inquiry, and we certainly don't want to. It's certainly not the government's intentions in any of our official buildings to fly the flags of hostile nations. Very good. World, very good. So.
3: I think it's kind of remarkable that the scrappy gay kingdom was actually discussed on the floor of Australian Senate. But the weird thing is, then, like, why have we never heard of it? Even a bunch of Australian queers I reached out to had little to no memory of the gay kingdom. It's kind of like it just faded into obscurity. But I still really want to know what happened. Like, who made it? What were their intentions? Um, did they really want to build a gay society on Cato Island? Where did they go?
1: Also, why can't I move there to live a life of Cora luxury? Tobin.
2: So many unanswered questions, Jeremy.
3: Yeah, The only way I can get to the bottom of it is to find the man behind it all, Emperor Dale Parker Anderson.
0: Dale Parker Anderson.
3: According to Derek, he has quite the royal resume. Uh, He actually claims to be a descendant of King Edward
5: II, and if that's true, that would technically make him related to all of the royal houses
3: of Europe. Dale Parker Anderson, I am going to find you.
2: Go get him, Jeremy.
3: Every night, I stay up until 3 a.m., just trying to find a way to get in touch with Dale. Finally, producer Zakia Gibbons and I find a number.
1: Why am I nervous? I'm so nervous, too.
3: (laughs) This is our biggest interview ever. Hello, Dale. This is Jeremy calling from WNYC. He doesn't answer. Uh, Hi, Dale. This is Jeremy. I'm here with Zakia at WNYC. We call him again and again and again. It felt like we had the first date jitters, like he was standing us up. Uh, we'll give you one more try. But then, on our very last try... Hey, is this Dale?
4: Speaking...
3: Thank you so much for taking our call. I'm here with Zakia.
1: Hi, Dale. Thank you so much uh, for your time.
4: Thank you very much for um, your uh inquiry. Pleasure, pleasure.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you.
3: Are, so are you the Dale Parker Anderson, uh, who's the emperor and founder of the gay and lesbian kingdom of uh, the Coral Sea Islands? Nancy will be back in a minute. If you could found your own nation, describe what it would be like. It would be a multicultural, pluralistic, libertarian utopia.
5: It would be nature-filled.
3: Very similar to New York City. It would be fair, it would be equal, it would be nice, it would have a great mix of people, and uh, the
1: weather would be temperate.
2: Thanks. Thank you.
3: Are, so, are you the Dale Parker Anderson, uh, who's the emperor and founder of the gay and lesbian kingdom of uh, the Coral Sea Islands? <laughs>
4: I am the emperor of the world, but I'm definitely not the emperor and the founder of the um, the cold, um Kingdom. Uh,
3: have you heard have you heard of it before? Yes, I have, most definitely. Huh. And are you often confused for that Dale Anderson? Never before in my life. Turns out this Dale was just some random dude with the same name.
1: Are you like honored to share a name with the emperor? Of course I am. Wow. So if you were to break off and make your own micronation, what, what would that land be like?
4: Okay. The, yeah, the, the one thing that you know, I would like to be upheld is that um, let's get the hell rid of plastics.
3: Cool. Land of no plastics.
4: And yeah, Let's make sure that the fish and environment you know, that surrounds the islands you know, shares you know, the same civil liberties of just pure freedom.
3: Okay, civil liberties for fish.
1: Okay, thank you so much for your time. It was really great talking to you. I appreciate it.
4: It's my pleasure talking with you. And thank you very much for you know, asking me for my opinion. Uh, if I can assist you or if I can assist people in general, I'm always here for you.
2: Okay. All right.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay.
3: So, Dale Parker Anderson, emperor of the world, wants civil liberties for fish. But he's the wrong guy. I need to find the other Dale Parker Anderson, the one who wants civil liberties for gay people. I have so many questions for him. But now the biggest question I have is if he really exists. I searched high. I searched low. I asked a prominent queer historian, and even he didn't know. His name is Dennis Altman.
1: Quite honestly, I mean, I think you are, I don't know if you're flogging a dead horse. I think you're flogging a dead centipede. (laughs) What does that mean? I have no idea who the people involved were. um, And I don't know if you've been able to track down anybody who does.
3: So, right as I was losing all hope, I found out that just recently the Australian Gay and Lesbian Archives got a major donation from a donor curiously named Dale Parker Anderson.
1: No. Nah. <laughs>
2: so, a real person? Yeah, he exists.
1: Oh, really?
3: So, I called them up and the curator Nick Henderson? was like, oh, yes. There's the flag. We've got Um, the flag that they planted on the island. We've got the Declaration of Independence. We have the plaque from the embassy. We have Dale's two official crowns. We have lots of official correspondences. Wait, wait, wait.
2: He had two crowns?
1: Apparently. (laughs) I guess one was backup? But it's, like, all real, like, physical shit. Like, objects. Real physical
2: shit.
3: And Nick was like, oh, yeah. I've talked to Dale Parker Anderson. He's real. He's like a real guy out there who really did this. So I was like, okay, can you put me in touch? You know, we have various steps in terms of privacy that we need to adhere to. So essentially, no. Gotcha. Now I know Dale is real. So I found the contact info for the firm that designed the kingdom's website. Okay. I emailed them and they wrote,
4: Hi, Jeremy. Dale is a very private man, hence the reason why it is very hard to contact him. The only method of contact that I'm permitted to distribute is his postal address at the Embassy of the Gay and Lesbian Kingdom, P.O. Box. Okay,
3: so now I have the address of the embassy. I mean, uh, P.O. Box. (laughs) (laughs) To His Majesty, Emperor Dale Parker Anderson I. With my humble duty, greetings from New York. As to my knowledge, there is no gay and lesbian kingdom consulate in New York City. Please consider this an official international diplomatic request of urgent importance. I'd also be honored to receive some official Coral Sea Islands postage stamps for future correspondence. Surprise, surprise. I never got a response.
2: God damn it. So next I
3: looked up ownership of that P.O. box in the Australian postal records.
2: What's a a postal record? It's
3: like a public record of who owns which post office box. And so from that, I finally found the phone number of who I believe to be the real Dale Parker Anderson. I called the number and I said... Hey Dale, uh, this is kind of crazy. My name's Jeremy. And I'm actually calling you all the way from the United States. Um, so this this might strike you as a weird question, and I can't believe I'm asking you this, but are are you Dale Emperor Dale Parker Anderson the first? And he said, Yeah, that's me. Uh, but I'm at work right now. Oh my God, I found you. <laughs> and he was like, Oh. Uh- of course, I'll talk to you. I have off from work on Sunday morning, so let's talk then. Mm-hmm. And he was just like a, a sweetheart, total sweetheart. I sent him a text message just confirming that we were going to be talking. Okay. And he wrote back Oh no. Hi, Jeremy. I've been speaking to former members of the gay and lesbian kingdom government, and we have all moved on from our roles with the kingdom after it was handed back to Australia when the parliament passed the same-sex marriage law. So that part of our lives is now closed. I feel it's best if I do the right thing by the former members of my parliament and do not do interviews. Sorry for the disappointment, but our focus and that of the gay and lesbian government was always on marriage equality rather than on me, so I want to keep it that way. God bless, Dale.
1: Damn it, Dale.
3: And he blocked me. <gasps>
1: he blocked you? He
3: blocked me on WhatsApp. Yeah. And I've been like trying to reach him. He won't answer my calls.
1: Wow. Wow. So he just really completely shut the door. Yeah. Huh. I just gotta say, Jeremy, I'm super fucking impressed. Yeah, oh, you got pretty far. <laughs> you got
2: you got you got you basically got the jackpot, but then the jackpot blocked you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But here's the thing. This makes me even more curious. Like, why doesn't he want to talk? Was there some scandal in the gay and lesbian kingdom?
2: I need to know what happened.
1: Me too. And so I went on the kingdom's web forums,
3: and I found the names of all the old government officials, people from Mexico and Germany and Australia, and even the United States. And I just started calling them.
6: I don't know how you found me. I'm still, I'm sort of interested in why me.
3: (laughs) This is Bill Friedman. He has a big beard, an even bigger smile, and he was the answer to my prayers, a miracle that came down from gay Coral Sea heaven to spill the kingdom's deepest secrets. As for why him? You are about to enter the courtroom of Judge Bill Friedman. The people are real. The cases are real. The rulings are final. This is Judge Bill. I ran the courts. In other words, Bill was the kingdom's chief justice. It's a position that makes sense for him. I'm a
6: civil law notary. I was a lawyer for 20 years in Birmingham, Alabama.
3: And Bill says Alabama was not the best place to grow up gay.
6: To this day, I'm a 55-year-old man, and my mama still... Tells her friends in Alabama that I'm married to a woman here in Canada. And yeah, talk about things that will truly blow your feelings away, but that's Alabama.
3: These days, Bill lives in Victoria, Canada. But in 1999, just five years before the gay and lesbian kingdom, a man named Billy Jack Gaithier was murdered not too far away from Birmingham just for being gay. He was burned to death. So now imagine living in this kind of environment and then hearing about a distant gay utopia.
6: It sent me on a, a tear to find where did this come from? Who, what, where, when, why, and how? So I, I was so eager to get on top of it, I couldn't stand it. Mm. And I got I got connected straight to Bell within two or three days. How so? I just called him on the phone, ultimately. And we talked for an hour or two, and uh, I said, I want to help you make this happen. I think I see what you're trying to do. And when I got involved with the gay and lesbian kingdom, they already had the idea of trying to float the actual kingdom as an actual kingdom, but no one knew how.
3: Bill didn't know how either, but he knew he could help. He volunteered his legal expertise, and he was part of a growing number of international volunteers who believed in the idea of the gay and lesbian kingdom. They were working together to make it happen.
6: We had nicknames for one another. We loved one another. We worked hard together. We got along. Every one of us worked as hard and tried as hard and sweated and bled together and made what we could do together happen. You know, none, of, none of what we talked about sounded pie in the sky or idiot's quest to me. It, it seemed like very practical, basic nationalism things you could do that might help.
3: So what I learned from Bill was that most of the people involved, they didn't want to live on Cato Island, that rock in the sea. I don't think it was possible. It's a coral atoll with birds. It's a coral atoll with birds. But Bill and his peers were still dead serious about trying to create many of the institutions that make established countries what they are. Real elections, a real parliament, stamps, an attempt at printing passports, laws. So in Bill's mind, the kingdom created all these bureaucratic institutions to boost their credibility, demand equal rights from Australia, and really force a response— But those aspirations did not stop with Australia.
6: Let's create a gay nation and let's see if we can use this idea to enforce human rights in a unique way for gay and lesbian people around the world. What we wanted to do was see the gay rainbow flag in the UN set of flags. Gotcha. That's what I wanted.
3: So, like, recognized by the U.N. Yeah, so we did that.
2: Wait. Jeremy, you're saying that the gay and lesbian kingdom had a seat at the United Nations?
3: Well, that's what Bill wanted. He thought a seat at the U.N. would give them a platform to improve civil rights for queer people worldwide. So he and Dale drafted a letter to the U.N. Secretary General
1: at the time. Wait, whoa, wait, wait. Kofi Annan? <laughs>
3: yeah, Kofi Annan, saying that the gay and lesbian kingdom fully submits itself to all the laws and regulations of the International Court of Justice. Maybe this was just the first step towards a seat at the U.N. and thereby civil rights protections for queer people around the world as enforced by the International Court.
2: Wow. Okay, I mean, I kind of respect that. That's very official. Did the Secretary General respond?
6: No, the document never reached
1: the court. Come on, Kofi. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I, I don't know if they didn't put enough gay stamps on it or what happened, but <laughs> I called the UN what? and I said, hey. I, I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but there's this gay island, Cato Island, and it's a kingdom. They declared war with Australia, uh, the gay flower. I think they sent an application to you to be a country. What happened? Can I see it? And I didn't get very far. Rude.
2: Oh, Jeremy. So what happened to the gay and lesbian kingdom then?
3: Well, in 2017, 13 years after the whole gay and lesbian kingdom thing started— gay marriage was finally legalized in Australia by a nationwide mail-in vote. And uh, with that, the kingdom dissolved.
1: Hey, look at that. Marriage for all down under.
3: Yeah, the kingdom basically served its purpose. But the truth is, even by the time gay marriage was legalized, the kingdom had kind of already unraveled. It turns out that creating a country comes with a lot of responsibility. Bill says that they started getting messages from desperate queer people all around the world who sincerely wanted to move to the island.
6: So there, there were a lot of people that actually wanted to go and live there. I didn't want to be responsible for people getting in a situation that was untenable.
3: And for some of those people who wanted to move to the gay and lesbian kingdom, the stakes were quite high. You know, many sought asylum from oppressions of their own countries— at the gay kingdom. This is Willoughby Potter de Grimaldi, another volunteer. He goes by Willow, and he said it was difficult to have to turn these people down. I reached back explaining the problem with that and
5: how, you know, there isn't a residence there. There, There's nowhere specific to go. But although you can't necessarily seek asylum there on Cato Island, your voice is not lost. We could then connect those people with... Local organizations that offer
3: protections for discrimination and things like that. All the things the gay kingdom was working towards weren't coming together. The kingdom's application to the UN went unanswered, hopeful requests for asylum weren't realistic, and honestly, it's not clear if the presence of the kingdom really made a significant impact on the gay marriage issue in Australia. With growing international media attention, there were also more and more internal disagreements about what the kingdom's priorities should be.
6: So we we came under pressure, and the pressure didn't stop. It just kept going. And people would tell us what they wanted us to do, but we were trying to do what we thought made sense. Yeah.
3: And naturally, this caused people to start questioning the leadership.
6: The guy that was
3: the king,
6: Dale, Mm-hmm was a nut. Mm. I think the original beginning was a bar bet with Dale that this could be done.
3: According to Bill, the whole gay and lesbian kingdom was founded on a bar bet.
1: What? (laughs) What? Just like a dare between friends?
3: Yeah, Dale's friends dared that he couldn't found a gay island nation, and he did. (laughs) And then he attracted all these people who were, like, really into it, maybe even more than he was. And so an all-too-common issue with monarchies, even gay monarchies... Presented itself.
6: The problem that ultimately stopped the organization, I think, was a power struggle that couldn't be sorted.
3: And what was that?
6: Dale wanted to be the monarch more than he wanted to build an entity.
0: The gay gay kingdom. kingdom.
3: After a controversy regarding the kingdom's finances, Dale's leadership was challenged. With nearly every person involved, there seemed to be a different vision for what the gay and lesbian kingdom should be. Some people felt it should be a kind of viral ad campaign. Some thought it should be a UN-recognized nation. Some wanted to monetize it, and others really did want to settle on that little gay island in the middle of the sea. In essence, it was the classic struggle. A strong, unified vision for what the kingdom could be against the inclusion of everybody's ideas for what it might be. Like, there's a reason why hundreds of leaders around the world with even the best intentions still make a mess of things. Trying to create something that everyone can get behind is just hard.
6: And I think having lived through that, good googly wiggly, <laughs> It gives you background that helps you understand why government doesn't
1: work. Yeah.
3: When it doesn't work.
1: Good googly wiggly.
3: Good googly wiggly indeed, Tobin. At the end of the day, Emperor Dale Parker Anderson, Chancellor Bill Freeman, volunteers like Willow, and everybody else went their separate ways.
6: I've had twenty years to think about it. So yeah. We 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 were careless thirty something. I don't blame Dale. I think he was sucked up in something he wasn't suited to just like we were. But the experience of creating a small country has colored my life in so many ways. It was great. It was, it was one of the best things I think I did in my life. I, I wish that it had actually done what we all wanted it to do. I, I think if that had happened, you could absolutely positively change the world.
1: You know, even if it didn't work out, I have to say, what an amazing story.
3: Yeah, it's incredible. I think what's so inspiring about the gay and lesbian kingdom is just that they didn't hesitate to dream up a totally different reality. Like, they were able to say, look, this isn't the way that things have to be. And we can imagine a place just for us with rainbow stamps and a Gloria Gaynor anthem. And with that, we can make the world a more equal place. That kind of courageous imagination is really hard to come by. Like, especially now, we're on the cusp of this huge change and probably we're going to have the opportunity to rebuild a post-COVID world from the ground up. And at least for me, like, I think that's the kind of imagination that it will take to do it.
2: I'd move to an island with you, Jeremy.
3: Oh, I'd move to an island with you, Kathy.
2: Maybe not Tobin.
1: And you've lost me.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, credits.
1: Special thanks this week to Albert Behar, who wrote some of the music in this episode.
2: Our producers,
1: Jeremy Bloom, Zakia Gibbons, and B.A. Parker. Editors, Stephanie Fu and Sarah Geis.
2: Sound designer, that's
1: me, Jeremy.
2: Executive producer,
1: Susie Lechtenberg.
2: I'm Kathy Too. I'm Tobin Lowe. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios.
3: Okay, and this marking, can you uh, read what that says and describe it? I
0: can read it. It says royal gay male, which there is no such thing.